you like tacos? Let's talk about politics. Let's talk about things that really matter in America. You're listening to the Nacho Show Podcast. Hello and welcome to the Nacho Show. This is Ignacio Valdez. Uh, it is a fantastic Thursday today. Uh, and this uh, show is being brought to you by Fed by Ravens Media and uh, the Brixton Potato. Trump Tater Potato. <laughs> and also Solidify Web. Uh, let's build a website for you today. Well, uh, in this episode, we're going to talk about more about the military and uh, also, uh, oh, I wanted to let you guys know that we are transmitting uh, on Facebook Live. Uh, so to all of you uh, that are listening, uh, you can go to uh, uh, the Trump, uh, Latinos for Trump uh, we- uh, uh, Facebook uh, Facebook place, and then yeah, we can uh, you can go ahead and see uh, this uh, this episode on Facebook Live. So I uh, definitely have a fantastic day today. Uh, uh, we're going to have um, a very interesting, um, a very interesting uh, show today because we're going to talk about the uh, the war in Afghanistan, and I'm sure that uh, mo- uh, some of you are. Um, uh, you know, they served in the military. They did a lot of things in the government. And uh, uh, we really want to hear you. We really want to hear your your opinions about this. Uh, please uh, uh, tap in the comments, your questions, your concerns in regards to all these type of issues. Uh, we would love to uh, uh, really uh, dig more into into what exactly is going on. And uh, uh, because it's super, it's very concerning. It's very, very, very concerning. Learning, um, you know, to to us as Americans, because um, uh, I'm an American as well. You know, I became a U.S. citizen in 2009, and uh, um, I made the United States of America my home, my home sweet home. Um, if you notice, I have a hat. Uh, it's a uh, it's a cap with a U.S. flag in it, and it's a military color. It's a um, I don't know, like a sand collar, something like that, you know, to honor, to honor those uh, um, military service uh, men and women that uh, have done a fantastic job um, at what they what they did in Afghanistan. And uh, uh, speaking here with, with my producer, um, uh, we were talking about uh, several things um, uh, in, in regards of the war in Afghanistan. So th- there are issues going on right now. Uh, with this um one one thing that really um uh, hit me the most is the fact that uh there are uh, a lot of uh, a lot of kids uh well i'm i'm 40 years old <laughs> i'm old uh, but and i'm not i'm not um young enough to join the military myself uh besides being diabetic but um, there are a lot of kids out there that really want to join the military, but they feel that their government their, their government is letting them down um, because all of everything that's been going on. And it is uh, very interesting to see 
uh, you know, uh, two sides of the spectrum. Uh, there, there is the uh, the energy that they emulate by saying, "Well, I want to serve my country. I really want to go, and I don't I don't care who's in power as long as I go and serve my country. That's all I care about." But but uh, on the other hand, uh, you have uh, those that are like, "Well, I am super scared." Um, about the situations in the military right now, because as far as we could see, uh, our current and incompetent administration, they are not really cooperating or saving our men and women in the military and protecting them. And uh, we're going to have a really special guest today. Uh, his name is Bob McEntee. Uh, he has served in the military uh, for many years. Uh, he's a veteran, but we'll, but we'll have him here in, in uh, just a few minutes. Um, um, and uh, I just would we'll, we'll, we'll love to hear from him, you know, his opinions in regards to this uh, type of issue. Um, I uh, It really does not make me... Well, myself, and I'm speaking for myself right now. I'm, doesn't make me feel comfortable um, that our own government is not really taking care of our military personnel. Um, I really, I don't appreciate that uh, whatsoever because I mean, this is my country too. I I came here, uh, I came here for a better a better future for uh, better circumstances and better and a better situation for me and my family. Uh, and now that I am seeing all these um, issues being taken place, it really is super scary. Uh, and I, I seriously, guys, I really don't want to go anywhere else. I mean, Canada is very beautiful. Yeah. You know, but the U S is very beautiful as well. Um, but I mean, their politics are, you know, pretty similar to ours and, um, well, it's just, um, really not something to take lightly, but I, I'm going to tell you guys something. I fell in love with the United States of America and I refused to leave and I am staying here and I have adopted this culture. I adopted the language and I'm staying. And I consider myself as an American because my heart is here. I mean, I, I guess I should say, well, I self-identify <laughs> as an American. <laughs> uh, but but yeah, anyway, so the problem in Afghanistan, uh, there are a few things going on over there, uh, and uh, it's it's all over the news, and I just kind of wanted to uh, go over a, a few things here uh, with you, and uh, um, uh, just t talk about what is going on. Uh, also, the, the, other, the other topic that we would talk about today is all of the armament that was left behind. Um, it, to me, it sounds very odd that when you are planning to leave that country, then you, um, you want to take what's yours. Really? I mean, even if you, I mean, you're talking about armament, you're talking about the weapons that were left there. And I do have um, 
I, I, I do have, let me see here. It looks like Bobby's waiting for the meeting, uh, a producer. Um, yeah, we'll go ahead and, and bring him on. So we will go ahead and ask a, a question. So uh, the, the amount, the amount of uh, arms that, uh, uh, that are currently in Afghanistan, the were left uh, for the Taliban to take. And uh, I mean, was this planned? Uh, why are we leaving all those? Did we leave uh, the weapons for the Afghans to defend themselves against the Taliban, or was that was that a setup? Um, I, I really do not understand that situation. I mean, you you would have think. I mean, you you have. I mean, we have generals, we have uh, people in high in high commands of the military that really would would think critically about these situations and uh, have them uh, order pick up all of the weapons that were left out um, everything that uh, that had you know and why did we leave the weapons to the Taliban uh, because I mean we know that those guys are not good people uh, at all. Um, we have uh, joining us here, Mr. Bob McEntee. Uh, hello, Bob. Welcome to the Nacho Show. Hey, good morning, Nacho. All right. Well, it, it is definitely a pleasure to to have you here. Um, I would like to let, let you guys know that uh, Bob is a fantastic individual. He has uh, uh, served in the military. Uh, he uh, has been... Um, uh, 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 very involved in the Republican Party here in the state of Utah, and uh, uh, he is a, a person of my trust as far as information uh, about the Republican Party and also uh, uh, the military. And uh, Bob, can you please introduce yourself to all of our audience? Well, certainly, uh, Nacho. I appreciate the introduction. I was a Air Force uh, pilot, navigator, and war planner. And the Air Force has a lot of pilots and navigators. We only have so many war planners. So I, I have a little extra pain watching what happened in Afghanistan. But I'll let you keep going and bring me in when you will. <laughs> All right. Thank you so much, Bob. Okay. Well, we, goodness. Okay. The first thing that I am going to uh, address, and I really would love to um, to talk about, is number one, the fear uh, of uh, uh, of of the kids, uh, well, we're talking about like eighteen year olds, you know, uh, uh, wanting to join the military and uh, um, not wanting to do so for for the fear of being left out uh, if they're being deployed. Um, sh- should they serve in the military? Should they join the ranks? What's your opinion about that? Well, you know, and it's not just the young folks, right? Because the the people that are like at retirement age, they have to decide, am I going to stay in and keep serving? Or is this a good time to get out? So it's on both ends and and in the middle too, right? But the kids, it it is tough. What are they going to be asked to do? Um, Is this kind of, I mean, it it feels like a national disgrace, right? Like it just wasn't handled right because it wasn't. And, and it, it, takes down the prestige of the military. And I, I, I don't, boy, I don't want to just fault the generals and stuff because the fact is they have smart guys. They have the captains and majors, the officers that 
that do the planning, mm-hmm. right? That type in the numbers and say, send this there, take this many people out. We need this many C-17s and C-5s and stuff in there. Uh-huh. And like in Vietnam, they did a smart pullout in Vietnam, right? They had 39 helicopter pickup points. Then they could take people to either the airport or the embassy or the Navy ships off the coast, right? We don't have the Navy ships, but I think if you left this up to the military planners, we would have kept Kabul airport open. It was defensible. We had a security perimeter, right? It's it's kind oh, wow. of military run. It's a bigger airport. And then all these people, you don't want them going through Taliban checkpoints on the way to the, the other airport. You don't want them standing in sewage water outside the airport, then getting on your airplane with who knows what kind of disease. You, you'd want to establish those helicopter pickup points. And, you know, the Army has more helicopters than the Air Force has, you know, airplanes. So there's plenty of helicopters to go fetch people and bring them to the airport, like with an air taxi. But back to your question, should they join? I, I think maybe this is the time to hold off. You know, maybe it's a good time to join the Coast Guard, right? That's kind of almost <laughs> like the military. <laughs> right. They have a Coast Guard Academy, too. You know, the Navy, they don't they don't get their feet on, on, you know, dirty soil like the Army does and the Air Force above. So, I mean, there's differences in all the services, right? We're still going to need people on the nuclear subs and, and the regular ships. Um, but it, it would give me pause. It really would. What are we going to be asked to do? And, and some people get out when they don't like yeah, that kind of engagements. They just get out of the military. Right. Yeah. So, well, it, it is like everything else. You know, when uh, I was talking to my producer here uh, earlier, uh, Mr. Brian Hyde, uh, shout out to Brian Hyde. Uh, he is the producer uh, uh, here and uh, uh, with the Feather Ravens Media, and he, he he does a fantastic job, you know, every time. Uh, you know, he, he gets us up on schedule and uh, always heads up with uh, uh, commercial breaks and everything. So, so yeah, I really want to, um, you know, shout out to him. Uh, and, yeah, I, I, I really, well, I really, we, I should do a, a show with him one of these episodes, I think. <laughs> I think that would be very useful. All right. Well, um, okay. So, Bob, uh, another thing that I wanted to uh, to ask you, uh, since you you were in the military, uh, is uh, what do we? Well, we're pulling out of of Afghanistan. Now, with that being said, uh, and you know, we're seeing a lot of a lot of crap going on. You know, the, the Taliban grabbing all of the weapons that we left out, which I find super odd that all of the armament was left behind. The Taliban scatter or weapons or trucks, everything. Um, will there be another war? Do we have to go back again? Are we not going to fight again? Because it's been 20 years of this. Well, it, it could definitely happen. In fact, this, this kind of looks like what happened in Iraq, where we pulled out. And then one of the generals, Lloyd Austin, now he's Secretary of Defense, Lloyd Austin, told President Obama, he said, uh, hey, don't worry about ISIS, they're the JV team. And right, and maybe, to his credit, maybe at the time, that's what it seemed like. You know, Intel, they, they're not always perfect forecasters, but ISIS didn't stay the JV team, right? They grew, they uh-huh. recruited, there was no opposition, so they just they just multiplied like bacteria, right? And yeah. then we had to go in and clean it up at, at, a, at a disadvantage, right? A much higher cost. And so 
you know, and us leaving the weapons behind, well, it just it just saves China the trouble of arming them right up front, right? Um, and I'm not so worried. Exactly say. Yeah, and, and the intel leaks, well, I mean, it's not like we left, you know, stealth fighters there. You know, we left older helicopters and Humvees and stuff that, you know, everybody already knows about. So I'm not so worried about technology, but, but look at, they go through all these pains here. They want gun control in the United States, right? They want uh -huh. red flag laws. Well, wouldn't every Taliban fighter qualify for the, the red flag laws they want? So why did we, <laughs> why did we leave those weapons? And, and why didn't we, when we said, oops, because I could legitimately see, they thought, well, gosh, we thought the Afghan army would fight. We thought they would last for a year or two. And that's why you leave the weapons. I get that. But when you realize that didn't happen, you call up your B-1 guys and say, hey, how many hours until you could drop bombs on these coordinates? And they go, oh, um, you know, 8 to 16 hours, Mr. President. You go, okay, how about, how about in 12 hours you do that? Yes, sir. Boom. They launch the missions, right? That's how it goes. I mean, maybe it takes a little longer, but we got the B-1s, the B-2s, the B-52s. We might need permission for overflight. Um, but... You know, we, we could we could have taken those weapons out. We could have even given them a courtesy, you know, hey, it would be really healthy if you stayed away from all U.S. You know, owned assets for the next two days, right? Uh -huh. That would be fair. That would be kind of kind of us. But, but yeah, we kind of botched it for everyone to see. And, and what I'm more worried about strategically is what do our allies think? What does Israel think now? What does Europe think? Because we're, we're militarily in bed with NATO, with Europe, right? And they're like, oh, don't worry. The U.S. is going to back us up for sure. Right. Going, oh, my gosh. You know, maybe we better start taking Russian lessons at night, you know? Right, right. Brian, uh, uh, producer, thanks so much for, for that uh, feedback. Can we go on a commercial break uh, uh, really quick? Uh, there's uh, an emergency phone call going on right now, um, and we will be right back uh, in a couple more minutes. Uh, definitely uh, appreciate uh, uh, the, the insights here, uh, and uh, we will be right back. Remember, this is the Nacho Show, fed by Ravens Media, the Tater Potato, and Solidify Web. We'll be right back. This hour from townhall.com. I'm Rich Thomason. What's left of Hurricane Ida may be gone, but its devastating impact is far from over in parts of the Northeast, swamped by more than 10 inches of rain that unleashed deadly flooding. High water rescues continue near Philadelphia and elsewhere. The torrential rains turn streets in New Jersey and New York City into rivers, flooding homes and businesses, closing roads and stranding motorists. Subway and rail service ground to a halt. There have been many flight cancellations. In New Jersey, Governor Phil Murphy laments the loss of life among those who got trapped in their vehicles as the floodwaters raged. There were too many cars on the road uh, and too many cars. Thank God most of them were abandoned and people got out safely, but that was not the case for everyone, sadly. Murphy says he's thankful that storm alerts issued by the National Weather Service worked and the storm spun off tornadoes near Philadelphia in New Jersey and Maryland. The storm-related death toll in the Northeast is nine. 
Following the chaotic U.S. withdrawal from Afghanistan, a new poll of registered voters. The study, conducted by Political Morning Consult, found that 61% of respondents believe the country is on the wrong track, compared to just 39% who say the country is going in the right direction. The survey also found a record low overall approval rating for Mr. Biden at 47%, with 49% saying they disapprove of the president's job performance overall. The president has faced mounting bipartisan criticism over his withdrawal from Afghanistan, especially as anywhere from 100 to 200 American citizens remain in the country following weeks of the U.S. military operations to evacuate thousands of U.S. citizens and Afghan allies. the nature show this is ignacio valdez uh, and we are on the nacho show this show is brought to you by fed ravens media and also the brixton potato the trump tater tater and also solidify web let's build the website for you today all right. Well, uh, we are talking about the the issues in Afghanistan, uh, the military, and uh, um, and, and the problem. So, Bob and I we were talking a little bit about, about China uh, b- before the, the, this break. So, uh, and I was telling Bob, <clears throat> you know what? The Chinese are making me very nervous. Uh, I, I was watching a Netflix show um, a couple months ago about how the Chinese, they they are buying businesses uh, here in the U.S. and they're being uh, managed by the Chinese and they bring people from China to uh, to work with with the Americans. And it, I mean, it's it's a huge cultural shock. Because the Chinese, they they just do the work just because because they have to do it. But then in our culture here as Americans, and we're like, well, why are you doing this? You know, we're trying to kind of like understand the reasoning behind things, um, and that's a that's a huge difference, you know. Uh, and the Chinese are like soldiers, you know, uh, they're being treated like that, and they will just. Uh, do what they're supposed to do and uh, no questions asked. But but us here is like uh, we have to have a reasoning behind everything. So that's you know a, a comparison. One thing that that shocked me um, is the fact that the Chinese uh, in in this documentary there was this Chinese manager that was saying to the Chinese, we owned, we own the world. Literally, he said, and I'm, I'm going to have to go back to, to that documentary. And he, he said that we own the world and we own the Americans. I was like, what the crap is he saying? 
And he says that we are better that, than them. You need to understand that. And I was like, oh my gosh, that that moment really shocked me. And uh, it made me realize what are we doing as, an, as Americans? Um, we, uh, if there was somebody on Facebook that posted a map uh, that was showing, uh, you know, years past, Uh, with, uh, um, uh, with the U.S. Um, d making deals with uh, other countries of the world in blue. And then nowadays, um, uh, a map of countries that are doing deals with China. And that map of the world was like fully, almost fully red um, with the, the Chinese doing a lot of deals with everybody else. And uh, Uh, it, it makes me super, super sad that um, I don't know what we're doing wrong. Um, I mean, may, maybe we do. Um, uh, we know. But Bob, what are your thoughts on this? I mean, uh... well, you're right. The Chinese are being very strategic. Now, they've appointed their president, G, I think it is president for life. Right. We don't we don't currently have that option. Right. But they so he doesn't have to worry about reelection, whereas our presidents are always worried about reelection until until they've, they're in their second term. Right. So I think that's why they're str thinking strategically. They're making alliances in Asia. They're offering desperate African companies help like, hey, you know, we'll put in that well. We'll help you develop that mine. Just just sign here this agreement with us. Right. So instead of fighting a war, they're doing what we used to do is they're they're gaining influence in Africa, in Asia, everywhere they need. And now in Afghanistan, they've been wanting to build a highway to the Middle East. Right. So and we've, uh -huh. we've left this vacuum. We've pulled out of Iraq. So that opens it up for Iran or whoever. And we're pulling out of Afghanistan. So that's Russia and China can see who's going to win that, but it's it's right next to the border with China. So uh -huh. I would expect the Chinese are going to make deals. They're going to get their super highway to the Middle East. And that means if they want to walk some troops down there and do their will, they can do that. And I kind of wish we hadn't pulled out. Now, the United States was not established to be an empire. We're a republic, right? And yet, Mm -hmm. President Obama promised to get out of Afghanistan, but he didn't because he realized the humanitarian mess it would make if we pulled out and we let these, you know, middle-aged terrorists <laughs> take over the Taliban. I didn't really mean middle-aged. Sorry, I meant That's like right. middle ages. They've got the mentality of of they're going to beat you, kill you if they don't like what you're doing. It's it's medieval. Yeah. It's the word I wanted. Exactly. Um, and by us pulling out, you know, we've kind of created that. I I. I understand we can't artificially keep them, but, but you know, I see that we've stayed in Korea, we've stayed in Japan, we've stayed in Germany, and I, those countries are not clamoring for us to leave, right? Uh, because we kind of give them a certain amount of security. And people say this was America's longest war. Well, not really. We, we actually sent advisors over to Vietnam in the, in the early 50s, right? So we were in there a long time. And the Korean War is not technically over. We're like under an armistice. So that, that war is technically still going on. If, if you don't believe it, ask, ask Kim Jong-il, right? Because he yeah. resumed nuclear testing. He resumed nuclear operations. I think he was afraid of Trump. I think President Trump made our enemies afraid. They did not want to go venture. They didn't know what he would do, right? That's the, that's the good part about just a little bit of unpredictability in your president. Versus now, I think President Biden, they see as, well, 
he's not going to offer a lot of resistance. You know, if Russia has designs on the Ukraine, they just got the green light. If China wanted to go in Afghanistan, they'll probably do a short waiting period, right? And then they will have influence. And Afghanistan has two things going for it. They've got natural resources like lithium, right? And so the whole world's trying to go to green cars, electric cars, and they need lithium. And, and well, Afghanistan has the mines. And Afghanistan is also called Pipelandistan because all these natural gas and oil pipelines flow through Afghanistan. So they're kind of a, a choke point where you can access or cut off oil, natural gas. So it's a very strategic country to have interest in. And I mean, maybe we would have pulled out anyway, but it could have been done a lot more smoother and maybe leave some assets behind, maybe have Bagram Air Base still have U.S. forces, just like we do in Korea, so we could back up the Afghan army. But we didn't do that. And, and may I just add, as, as an Air Force guy, watching people fall off a cargo plane was was hideous. Oh, I mean, because as an air crew, I mean, I, if I was the pilot in command, I would have called for a fire truck. Hey, escort these guys off my airplane before I take off, right? Or I would have pulled up on the, the runway, because I know there are people trying to get on and run those engines up to 100% move my flaps so they get the idea this bird is taken off and an unprotected ears yeah. around engines at 100 percent is loud it's hot it's windy I, I i would not have wanted to take off unless we were under fire but those guys were not under fire so i was just mortified to watch people fall off a, an air force cargo plane i hope do, i never see that again in my life do you think they were encouraged to do so well, they were desperate. I I under because I think they probably made the correct bet. Like either I'm going to get out of here on an airlift airplane, or the Taliban's going to kill me and my family. Maybe after they torture us. So maybe they weren't mm-hmm. wrong to gamble. But I, I I just think if they had a little reassurance that don't worry, this isn't the last flight. There's more coming. Uh-huh. They had to do that, but obviously they didn't get that reassurance. I really, uh, got, yeah, goodness. Uh, yeah, they're definitely out of desperation that they had to do what they had to do. But obviously, I don't know, as for me, out of desperation, I would not even do, do that. Uh, I agree. I agree. But we're not them. And and we don't yeah. know what it's like under the Taliban. And and frankly, they said the the age of the average woman in Afghanistan is 19 and a half years old. And the United mm-hmm. States has had control of Afghanistan to some degree for the last 20 years. So these people have grown up not knowing it any other way. But the ones old enough to remember the Taliban rule, that it is oppressive, it's vicious, they're they're not going to debate their enemies. They're going to torture, kill, and subdue them. So I can understand their desperation. Um, I know there's one province still fighting back. So we'll see how that goes. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I've heard of a lot of the, the Kurdish, uh, the, the Kurdish people. Uh, there's all that, I mean, uh, that's a fantastic example about indep- independence uh, and also um, uh, uh, defense, right? Uh, I'm, I'm sure you, you've heard of those folks before. Uh, yeah, the Iraq and Turkish area too, and kind of, kind of everybody hates the Kurds, but they usually like us because at least we give them a little bit of cover, and they'd like to be an independent people, but they have to fight just to just to be alive. Amazing, amazing, and and sad at the same time um, because, um, it, it, do you think with the, was this planned? 
uh, Bob? Was this something that because it's super odd to to see all of these armament, all this all this equipment being left for the Taliban to take instead of giving it to, to the Taliban? I mean, uh, wouldn't it be nicer just to give it to the the actual people of Afghanistan so they can defend themselves? Well, you know, you always try to arm your allies. That's true. Um, and yeah, I mean, usually the military doesn't just give away weapons, right? We either would take them out with us or leave them mm -hmm. for the allies. And I, I think our hope was that the Afghan army could could fight back like we've been training them to. But the uh -huh. fact is they didn't have the will, right? They Because they don't think like us. Like we think of ourselves as, you know, we're Utah residents, but we're also part of the United States, right? We're a cohesive people. But in Afghanistan, they're more tribal because Afghanistan is one of those countries that was put together by treaty, right? It didn't exist. Nobody fought for there to be in Afghanistan. It was the British drew some lines and said, there's India, there's Afghanistan. Everybody enjoy your country. Well, these people aren't unified in thought. They're much more tribal. <clears throat> so that's their problem is they don't think like a nation yet. Right. Wow. We were there for 20 years and they don't even, they cannot even think by themselves. Um, we, we try to teach them the robes of good, good government. Um, and uh, they were not, they could not develop. And that's super sad. Yes. And you know, they, they have a different mindset in the Middle East. I've, I've flown out of Saudi Arabia, Oman, Jordan, uh, and other other Middle Eastern countries. So I've I've been there for you know over a year at a time as far as in all the different countries if you put it together. So I've I've been among the people. I've I've seen how they think and act. They're they're different than us, right? So uh -huh. um, even if we're in Afghanistan, it's it's not going to turn into a Jeffersonian democracy, right? That's not how they think. They think who's our king, who's our leader. They like to have one, right? So they're not really spring loaded mm. to go that way, and so. That's a bit of an issue because their whole thinking and part of it is they have an Islamic culture, right? So they think differently and, and we may not realize it. And there might be people that aren't, aren't Christians, but there's a lot of influence in our Judeo-Christian culture that, that recognizes women as not just property, right? That they can have uh -huh. a vote. They can have a say. We should have some regard for our animals and for our women and for, for our neighbors, right? But, you know, they don't think that way. They think who's on top. If it's not me, then I'm, I'm trying to get on top. I'm trying to get in control. And so it, uh -huh. it's, it's a different society. And, you know, I, it's tricky. Let's put do, it that way. Do you think it would have to take like 100 years? Because that's what I've heard. I mean, if you want to change the culture of a country, you have to have 100 years. Right, right. And I think South Korea appreciates us making sure there was a South Korea, right? So we didn't just pull out, a, out of Korea like we did out of Vietnam and say, well, good luck, have a nice day, you know, because Vietnam, South Vietnam fell. It became Vietnam and it was communist controlled. And now they're like, well, that doesn't work so great. Let's, you know, let's start making shirts for Nike. And let's, so now they've come on board with capitalism, right? But South Korea, I don't think, I mean, they wouldn't, they love how it is, right? Yeah. If you just look at a nighttime map, I mean, there's lights and electricity and industry yeah. and travel in South Korea, and they make cars, they export them. They make chips that we need. So does Taiwan, you know, which which are Chinese. You mentioned liking the Chinese people. The, the Chinese people are great, right? In fact, they've got like a 6,000-year culture, 
and only the last 75 years has communism in it, right? Yeah. So it's not embedded. And in Taiwan, they said, no, thanks. They're, they're ethnic Chinese. They, they want to be free. But, and, and so they've adapted. You're right. So in, in a period of 75 years, 50 years, Korea, Taiwan, Japan, they, they're all like, hey, we like the way you're doing it. We want this freedom. And so did Hong Kong. But we let Hong Kong go back to the Chinese rule and they want to take over. So I think the next battle is Taiwan. And will the U.S. stand up for it? I don't know. I and Or are we blackmailable? You know my pet issue, Nacho. My pet issue is we need to harden yeah. our grid because otherwise we're vulnerable to even blackmail. The Chinese go, hey, U.S., we're going to attack Taiwan on Tuesday. And if you don't back off, we're going to turn your lights out permanently, okay? So we don't <laughs> want to hear any nonsense from you. And then they, they could just... You just zap Taiwan with conventional EMP weapons and walk in and take wow. it. I mean, I, I hate to give them a war plan, but you know, I'm not I'm not telling any secrets that their generals haven't thought of. Okay, they're uh -huh. smart. They're smart people. Super smart. It's super smart, and they know what they're doing. And our government and people of influence know exactly what they're doing. And I feel that we're being sold to China, one way or the other. You know, there is Disney, you know, like now there's been more cartoons about, you know, Asia. I mean, not not that I'm being racist or anything like that, but Disney, you know, you see there's Raya, you know, the, there's other uh, other shows up there, you know, that are like uh, getting more China involved or Chinese culture. Netflix is uh, highly um, led by leftists. And, uh, you know, you, you see quite a bit of, you know, Chinese uh, shows in there, too, uh, showcasing that. So you really are seeing a, a lot of that. And that's, I you know, I, I don't, I'm a very multicultural individual, okay? Um, but at the same time, I I know where, where I stand. You know, I, I know where I'm at. I know uh, that I have, and, and in the beginning of this episode, um, I mentioned that I have adopted the American culture as mine, and nobody can take that away from me. And I'm telling you, Bob, right now, uh, to you and all of my audiences, and Brian knows this, man, I'm an American from the heart. My heart is red, white, and blue. Yes, you know, you see me, I'm Hispanic, I speak Spanish, I was born and raised in Mexico or anything like that. But I swore, solemnly swore, when I became a U.S. citizen that I will defend the Constitution of the United States of America. And in my speech, when I received my, my citizenship, I said that I will defend this country with my life, if it's necessary, because this is my country, I immigrated here, and I am staying here, and I'm being buried here, and uh, this is the country that I love. Well, amen, Nacho. I, I just want to jump in there and say, you know, you're you're talking about what, what made America great, which was the melting pot. People came from all over the world to here. They adopted our culture in our way because it was successful. It worked. Capitalism you know, the free economy worked, people could better themselves, and it, it didn't matter where you came from. And, and plenty of Chinese came here. They had additional stuff to overcome. Uh, Hispanics have a little bit to overcome. I, I'm actually Irish, 50% Irish. 
And the Irish were discriminated against in America because even though we're white, you know, it's not all white privilege. There were there were signs up in stores says Irish need not apply. Right. Because oh. the white Anglo-Saxon Protestants didn't want to deal with the dirty, nasty Catholic Irish. So they're like, dude, don't even bother applying. We're not going to hire you. So mm. it's been that way. But but, you That's know, Americans sad. are much better now. I think the country is actually the least racist it's yeah. ever been, even if some people are like extra, you know, upset about it. The fact is. We're not a racist country. Um, some of Correct. our black Republicans tell us that. And with your mindset, it, the culture is based on our values, not our skin color. That's what makes yeah. us great. And that's what we want to spread to the rest of the world, really, and why they still want to come here. You know, they, they, they weren't going to jump on C-17s going to China, you know, if there was an equivalent, right? <laughs> but, but you know what I mean? They're not trying yeah. to escape to China because it's not going to be any better. They, they still... For all our flaws and however racist people want to say the United States is, which it isn't, they still want to come here. And I, I'm glad that Utah yeah. has taken some Afghan refugees. Yeah, I, I, I agree. And uh, thanks so much for your for your words and uh, uh, you recognizing you know this fact. Uh, but yeah, uh, I mean, I, I really I really don't mind you know other cultures or, or anything. I mean, I love to learn about them, and that's the inclusion, you know, the, the, and that's it, you know. But, but we but we have our way of living, and we're not gonna, we're not going to change it. And, and I'm sure that you know the Afghans have the same mentality. You know, they do have, you know, the, their culture and everything like that. And uh, And I don't know if uh, we are, <clears throat> uh, I don't know, trying to overpower uh, their their way of living or anything like that. But um, th there are major interests uh, for us being there, Bob. Uh, and uh, you know, if, if it's if it's gas, um, it's uh, natural resources, then. Gosh, uh, I mean, I don't know if we are in there for the right reasons or not, but I don't know. I I just want to, I just want, I, I just want man, I, I just want peace, man. I, I just want, um, I just want to go on on a on a cruise whenever I want, <laughs> and not have to deal with the China virus. Well, you know, Nacho, I'll just bet if we would have given the people of Afghanistan a vote said, hey, do you want the U.S. to leave, you know, 20% of the military behind and keep Bagram Air Base to, to watch over Afghanistan? I'm going to guess that they would have said, yes, we want you to stay because they know if we leave, it's going to be a power vacuum. The Taliban's going to come in and then and then the, China's going to run them like like a gang leader, right? The Taliban's yeah. going to work for China. I mean, that's what I see coming, but hopefully something changes that. Yeah, I really I really hope so. My last question to you, DeSantis for president, what do you think? Well, you know, I'm not opposed. I mean, DeSantis has come down on the side of liberty for sure in, in Florida. He's been an example of saying, look, I'm not going to dictate to my people that they have to get vaccinated, right? So we've got progressives that want mandates. And because government is maybe somewhat restrained from doing it, they're like, hey, business, why don't you do it? Well, that's actually the definition of fascism. When the government just controls everything and leans on, hey, Marriott, hey, American Airlines, you do it or, or you're not authorized for government travel, right? I mean, that's the veiled threat. They haven't made that explicit. But even President Putin in Russia said, he said, I will not mandate a vaccine and businesses shouldn't either. So, my gosh, the, the torch of liberty has passed to Vladimir Putin. I know. And I'm going to make a confession. I really like him a lot. Seriously, I like DeSantis. 
Yeah. I do too. <clears throat> I and I think I like President Trump, and and we know, you know, uh, Britain's potato sponsor Joe. She no one likes Trump more than him. I I, I could venture <laughs> to say right, and or her and the the Trump tater, but. I just don't know if he's as electable, right? He had okay, similar okay. policies to Ronald Reagan, but Ronald Reagan had a lot more charisma. And Ronald Reagan won re-election with 49 states. And if there was any cheating going on, I don't even think they would have wanted to cheat Reagan out of it. He was just so congenial, so likable. Yeah, we were yeah. winning. The stock market was great. America was, was strong and defended. Nobody was going to challenge mm-hmm. her. We need something like that again. And could DeSantis be that person? Yes. Now, for fun, for backup, I like this theory people have. Hey, President Trump should run for Congress in Florida. And when he gets elected, he should run for Speaker of the House. I think that's the <laughs> <laughs> nice. I and love he that. can run the impeachment investigations, right? <laughs> Absolutely. And also, I like Putin as well. You know, I, 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 like, I like Putin a lot. You know, some people don't. Because he, you know, he's despicable, but I really like his leadership. Uh, but anyway, all right. So th- this is the show for today, folks. So thanks so much for being all here. Uh, our next episode, uh, we are going to have um, <clears throat> uh, the Operation Underground Railroad. Uh, we're we're going to have them uh, in the show. And uh, uh, that will be September 9th, next Thursday. Thank you so much for all of you guys. Thank you so much, Bob. Uh, we definitely appreciate your insights. And remember, this is uh, the Nacho Show brought to you by Fed by Ravens Media and uh, the Bricks and Potato, the Trump Potato Tater, and uh, the SolidifyWeb.com. Let's build the website for you today. And we will see you next time. Thank you.